This is Daffy Duck, and you're listening to, uh, what's my line? Hey, I said pay attention, boy. You're listening to, I said you're listening to the Movie Rob Minute Podcast. Uh, Yes, that one. Keep on listening. And welcome to Minute 81 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is John from Dirty Harry Minute. Welcome back to the show for this season, John. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. I had a lot of fun the last time with planes, trains, and automobiles. Happy to be of assistance this time. Oh, you had you had less fun in Great Escape then? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think. Yeah, be careful what you say. The... <laughs> no, I think it's no secret that uh... no, no, I love both movies, but um, I just had a lot. I had a great time with uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I had a great time with both. So, <laughs> and with this one. <laughs> so, you know that that's for me that that's a no brainer. You know because I, I obviously I'm the one who chose. To, to do these movies. So, yeah. All right. We'll just uh, make sure that, uh, you know, next time you come here, you come to negotiate. <laughs> no worries, Bobby. 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 We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So, <laughs> minute 81 begins with Ellis entering Holly's office and ends with Ellis beginning to take a seat. So a lot has been going on over over the the course of of the the movie. There's a lot of different threads. This almost this entire week, we're we're just gonna have one little thread, one new thread that we're dealing with. You know, at the end on Friday, Ellis said that he's uh you know he's gonna take matters into his own hand. And he's gonna save everybody, and that's what he basically says to Holly. And then he asks uh, Fritz to you know take him into in, uh, take him to speak to Hans. And this minute begins with him entering the office. Now, I mean, as we know, he has uh, commandeered Holly's office, which apparently is the perfect location. You know, I, I always wonder where Takagi's uh, office is because we never get to see it. You know, it must be uh, in one of the higher floors or something like that. Yeah, we got to see yeah. Ellis's office because we got to see his bathroom and you know, where John ended up leaving his shoes. But we never got to see uh, any, and we never got to see the the CEO's office, which would have been uh, quite fascinating to see what what they would have shown us there. Well, hang on, whose office did Carl have the meltdown on? You know, where he sort of goes where he throws where he throws the the table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's in that's in Holly's office, but he but that's apparently the the secretary's uh, station in the office. Uh. Because right. we we see we see that it's in uh, in Holly's office, but it must be at the beginning. Like when when we we saw the office for the first time uh, months and months ago, and you know the Holly walks into the office with Ellis following her, so she walks into the mm-hmm. office and her secretary uh, Ginny was sitting there at the in the front of the office, and then there's like all these different plants and stuff like that, and then it has the second section of that office which is where Holly, you know, sits. So there are basically two desks in this office, but they're separated by, maybe it's like some sort of like 
partition or wall or something like that in between. You know, that type of thing. So did we and, see these delicious fake fake green plants? Are they fake? Well, we've seen them before, but they, you know, in passing, we we haven't discussed them. If you want to discuss uh, fake plants, you're you're more than welcome to. I I wasn't going something to. About, <laughs> yeah, well, it's just something about fake plants that just I don't know. They don't make my blood boil, but I just think of all the dust that's accumulated there, or if people, you know put their bubble gum on. I don't know. I just, it's very tacky. I, I've always disliked them myself. Unfortunately, you don't see them that much. Right. But you're talking about fake plants anymore. in movies or fake, pa- fake plants in <laughs> real life? Well, this is a documentary, isn't it? Yes. In in real life, I, I don't enjoy them. So <laughs> don't enjoy them in fiction either. No, but they, they, maybe these are real ones because if they're only going to be shooting for a few days, they might actually, you know, bring in real plants because then what do they care? Yeah. Good point. I think I'm pretty sure they are fake by the way the light sort of hits the top leaf near the animatronic Santa maybe. Could not be. a big issue, but no, not not a big issue at all. But a good point. It's not something I I even thought of, of uh, discussing. So you see, you've well, taken me places that I I wasn't planning on going, but that's fine. <laughs> all right, let's move quickly past. Sorry. <laughs> so Ellis uh, comes into the office, his hands up. You know, as if he's, uh, you know, Fritz is behind him, but Fritz is, has the gun pointed up. It's not as if his gun is pointed at uh, at Ellis's back or anything like that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to first read through his entire diatribe here. And then we'll we'll try and break it down because it's it's silly to, to, to stop it midway. Okay, so Great, yep. he, he walks into the office and he says, it's obvious you're not some dumb schmuck up here to snatch a few purses. Am I right? And Hans responds, you're very perceptive. So then Ellis continues, I watch 60 Minutes. I say to myself, these guys are professional. They're motivated. They're happening. I.e., they want something. Now, personally, I couldn't care less about your politics. Maybe you're pissed off at the camel jockeys. Maybe it's the Hebes, Northern Ireland. It's none of my business. I figured you're here to negotiate. Am I right? And then Hans responds, you're amazing. You figured this all out already? Hey. Business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're here in a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Am I right? Hans, Booby, I'm your white knight. And Hans looks at him and says, I must have missed 60 minutes. What are you saying? The guy upstairs who's f***ing things up? Huh? And that's pretty much how this, this minute will, will end. But there, there's a lot to be learned from this entire conversation. Obviously, Ellis is the one taking the, the, the point in, in this whole conversation. But the, the things that he says, wow. Wow, 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 wow. So let's, let's uh, start from the beginning. You know, first of all, now what, what is your overall impression of this conversation? Before we get into the nitty gritty of everything that says there, um, this is the most arrogant guy I've ever met. Um, we first see him; he's got his hands up. You're talking about he's—he <laughs> thinks he's their savior, he's their white knight, as he says later on. He's just this guy who thinks I'm going to be able to, you know, convince these guys of anything. I'm just going to apply my charm. I'll defray the situation, and I can get to the nub of what they want, or I can convince them 
I know I can get you what you want. He's just a, a schwam. What's the word? A, a schwami guy? Is that the word? He's just a schwam. I don't know. I detest a schwav. No, more like a, he's just a a dime, a cheat. I don't know. He's very tacky and uh, full of his own uh, chutzpah and uh, arrogance. And I think, yeah, you're not supposed well, to. Well, he's like full of himself. Away, that's right? for sure. Mm. You know, he he is definitely. I mean, we we know that he does. Uh, million dollar or billion dollar deals all the time and stuff like that. So he thinks he he's he just doesn't read Hans very well. You know he thinks Hans. Well, but but it's funny because you know he's dealing with theoretically a terrorist. He doesn't know that Hans isn't really a terrorist. Okay, mm-hmm. but he thinks of him because of the way that that Hans is dressed. That he's just a really typical businessman. Now the irony of it is that 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 is what Hans is. You know, he's here to steal money. He's he's a, a you know, high-priced or high-leveled thief. <laughs> you know, he's he's not there in order to, to you know, to, to really cause terror. He, obviously, his whole plan is to, to cause a lot of confusion. But he's mm-hmm. not there as a, your typical uh, terrorist. What we would think, I mean, this was pre-9-11, but even post-9-11, no one would classify Hans as a terrorist with what with what he he what his full plan is. His tactics might actually, you know, classify him as a terrorist by the way he does things. But the, when you look at the plan as a whole, what he's doing here is not a terrorist act. He's just a thief. He's a very clever right. thief and a very smart one. Um, and obviously, he knows a lot about finance and things like that, which we'll also get into in this, this conversation because there, there are a lot of terms that, that, that our good friend Ellis uses here that are business terms, you know, and he, and he thinks that's who he's talking to here. He thinks he's talking to a businessman, but he's, he's, he's not, you know, the whole thing is just very uh, uh, misconstrued from, from both perspectives. You know, because of the fact that that Ellis has no idea that he's in over his head, and we'll get into that a lot more during the course of this week, because this this is Ellis week. You know, you whether you wanted it or not, John, you got you got Ellis week. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just deliciously slimy. How many times does he say "I am right" in this minute? Like three or four? And my right is just oh, he's slimy. Yeah. Just as an aside, as an aside, when he goes, you know, i.e. they want something, it really reminded me of David Brent in the office, like using the sort of the cutting the words off, using the diminutives and stuff. And oh, do you God. think do you think that that is a that David Brent, the character of David Brent, is somewhat based on on Ellis? Do you think there's any connection? <laughs> Maybe a hundredth of a percent or something, but. Um... Just the way I, I was remembering how David Brent says, "AKA, I can make your dreams come true." AKA for you, just misusing. Obviously, uh, Ellis is a bit more uh, aware of the English language than Brent is, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, his his, his IE is correct. We'll we'll get there. That's you know, right. But but uh, and and I did count right now, and he says, "Am I right?" Three times. So in, annoying. In less than a minute. <laughs> but but also his speech is great. I got to say that. I mean, we're, we're going to break it down, but, but overall, you know, for, uh, you know, for someone to, to, to theoretically be thinking of all of this on the fly is great. Yeah. 
you know, he, it's good. It says a lot about him based on what he says and how he says it. But, you know, the, well, so let's 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 start off with, with his first line. He says, it's obvious. You, it's obvious you're not some dumb schmuck. OK, do you <laughs> do you know what a schmuck is? I always heard, obviously it's a Yiddish word, right? Or it is a Yiddish German word. word. Someone told me it's the, is it the, the is it the foreskin? Is that a, is that word? No, 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 no. It, oh. it's, just, it, What's it's, that a, word? it's a term for the penis. That's what it is. A schmuck oh. is a penis. I thought it was, I thought it was the end of the circumcised that the, the morning no, 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 rabbi no, no, gets no, no. rid of. <laughs> okay. No, no, not, it's not the foreskin. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's it's come. The, they're not really say, you know, when when people use the term, they're not saying you're a penis. What they're 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 saying that someone is really stupid or or foolish or obnoxious, uh, sometimes contemptible, detestable. You know, there's a lot of different uh, terminology that you can use when you call someone a schmuck. But it but the literal term, you know, comes from Yiddish, which which basically means a penis. Okay, <laughs> um, it's. Uh, in in German, what's funny the, the the word schmuck means jewelry or adornment, which is just really funny because mm. there's no connection whatsoever between the two of us. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, because it's considered a, a a vulgar term, so a lot of times it's it's used by calling someone a schmo. All right. Um, then some, you know, there are different ways of pronouncing, of, of spelling schmo. You can spell it S-C-H-M-O-E, S-C-H-M-O, S-H-M-O. <laughs> so Does Lenny, the word, can I, yeah, can I ask ahead. in, in, um, in contemporary modern Hebrew, do you also use the equivalent expression in Hebrew? No. For the same sort of meaning? No, 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 no we don't call English. There, there are a lot of other words that yeah. we, <laughs> we don't use the word schmuck. <laughs> Uh, because again, it's a Yiddish word. Just because it's a Yiddish word, and and because it's a vulgarity, it's not something that people would use in normal conversation. You know, nowadays mm-hmm. a lot of people will just call someone a putz, which is also Yiddish, but it means the same thing. Right. You know, it's a similar sim- similar type of thing. Um. <laughs> so Lenny Bruce, who was a a stand-up comic in uh, the 1960s, he was a Jewish stand-up co- comic that when he was arrested in 1962 uh when he was uh, performing on the west coast because back then you you know you weren't allowed to use vulgarities in in uh on stage and stuff like that apparently there was an undercover agent who knew yiddish that they put him in the club and, in order to be able to uh determine if the yiddish terms that he was using were considered profanity and he would call right. people schmuck a lot and uh-huh. he actually you know, he, he got arrested for that. Okay. Nowadays, mostly you, you refer to it, you, when you refer to someone either as a jerk or an idiot, that's when you would call them a schmuck. Well, you know what? Um, we have no reason to believe that Alice, like with that name, is Jewish, do we? And he also, no, he that they, good, I, no, no. He's, he's, first of all, he's not Jewish. He's, he's, he's waspy, especially the way that he talks here. Yeah. I mean, but again. He also he, says... He's he very, says he uses a lot of he says capiche as well like Italian words. But capiche and, is Italian. That's not that's not Yiddish. Exactly, exactly. He's all over the place. He goes ain't you know he's trying to he's trying to make himself a man of the street sort of. Yes, he's a man of the street, but yes. but but he's definitely a waspier. You know. Yeah. No worries. 
He's not a, uh, you know, a goy. He's a goy. He's a goy. He's a goy. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I love that word. It just sounds so cool. <laughs> and do you know that there's a term in bodybuilding that that uses the word schmuck? No, tell me more. It's, and again, sometimes they'll use the word schmo or schmoes instead, but it describes a person who is often wealthy, but who is less muscular and weaker than bodybuilders. And they pay bodybuilders mm-hmm. money for private posing sessions and things like that. <laughs> so they call them okay. schmuck. It's, it's some, basically, wow. it's, it's people who uh, you know worship uh, people who have uh, muscles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So right, all right. So that's that's the first thing that he says. And and the funny thing is, he goes to snatch a few purses. So the fact that he makes that comment, he basically he he really does. He has figured out that they're thieves. Yeah. You know that's what they're doing. Yeah, they're right. here. They're not here to snatch a few purses, but they're here to steal money. So it, it's it's very funny that it uh, you know fits in the same way there. And. You know, this is his first, am I right? Followed by Hans's response, <laughs> you're very perceptive. Which is a, you know, Ellis takes it as a real compliment, even though he's being very facetious with his, uh, you know, with the way that Hans is responding here. You know, he doesn't really mean it. He's he's both pissed and interested all at, all at the same time. You know, by the way that yeah. he says this. Why, you know, why didn't Ataki employ him? Surely he's too brash and obnoxious and sort of un-Japanese like in his comportment. Well, let's put it this way. I would say that Takagi employed him because he's apparently a very good negotiator. He might be cocky in all that he does, <laughs> but if he can if he can deliver the goods, that's what they want. Yeah. I don't know. If you say more than am I right in, in more than an hour. Am I right? I <laughs> yeah. Bida boom, bida bang, bida boom. <laughs> exactly. Then he mentions uh, 60 minutes, which we're not going to go into 60 minutes at length here because uh, if you want to hear all about 60 minutes, you can go back to episode 43 of Plain Trains and Automobiles where we discussed uh, 60 minutes in detail. But basically, it, it was a it, it's a TV news show that uh, that is still running in America. It's been running for for over 50 years. It was one of the first news magazines around, and many shows uh, copied their format of the way that they did things. Okay. Then he continues and says, I say to myself, these guys are professional. They're motivated. They're happening, i.e. they want something. <laughs> so, again, the way they're that happening. he's talking, first of all, he, he's talking down to, to Hans here. You know, he I, – I don't, I don't think Ellis realizes it, though. I think no, he's just being he's himself and doesn't realize that he's being obnoxious and, and talking down to somebody who he's supposed to theoretically be negotiating with where, you know, they would they, they should be on the same level. Or you would think that that's what they would, you know, that they should be. He thinks he's being cool by, you know, cutting to the chase, you know? Yeah. He's getting to the nub of what they want and he's just yeah. over his head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And then he brings up the whole Smiley. idea of politics. Which which goes with which goes against what he said before. He says, you know, if if they're there to purses, snatch, yeah. not to snatch a few purses, so then yeah. theoretically he sees they're thieves. But when he talks about politics, so then he is going back to the idea of terrorism, because terrorism usually deals with some sort of form of politics. 
you know, it doesn't matter what country you're in. If you're dealing with terrorists, yeah. there are terrorists who are usually not happy with a particular regime or a particular, uh, you know, country way of life, something like that. You know, and so therefore it does just... enter the, the, the realm of politics. So it's about using force or threatening to use it. Correct. Murder. Yeah. Threatening to, for political purpose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but it's, it's, it's threatening to use, it's threatening to use force or, or threatening mm-hmm. to use uh, power based on the fact that you want something changed within politics because you don't agree with the particular politics. Yes. yes. You know, that, can that's I just the... ask, just, can I ask, so we're on the right page, what so far have they said, these people, the bad guys, what have they said to the employees? Have they said anything yet? No, from they've said, told them nothing. They said, that. They said that, that, that we're here for something and Takagi didn't want to uh, help out and therefore he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. That's all these says. Yeah. They don't. They <laughs> yeah. they they haven't given any other indication as to why they're there. Yep, gotcha. Because there's no one to negotiate with. So you know now Ellis is there to negotiate with them. So maybe maybe he'll be able to to do something that that uh, no one else was able to figure figure out beforehand. <laughs> you never know. I don't know. Saying I don't care about your politics. It just doesn't seem very perceptive because I mean they they do seem to care, uh, as you've just said they've killed their their boss or, well they said they've done it. Okay, I, I first of all I have to I disagree know. with you on that because the the fact that he says that he couldn't care about your politics means I don't care what why you're here. I'm I'm I want to help. He's basically saying oh, okay. I don't care about your politics. If your policies aren't aren't the same as mine, I don't care. I don't care about them materially, but I can help you achieve them, sort of thing. Or exactly, okay, all right, exactly, nice. okay. You know, because again, he says, okay, went, yeah. you, you know, you're here first of all, and then then he starts rattling off uh, a number of different uh, um, racial conflicts. I guess you can say. He says yes. maybe you're pissed off at the camel <laughs> jockeys, which have you ever heard the term before, camel jockeys? I think I actually heard it in um, yeah, I have obviously in, in real life, unfortunately, but um, I think in Three Kings. One of them says it as well. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. That that's a movie that yeah. there was. A, so, camel jockey is a pejorative slur for uh, for for someone who in Arabic of Arabic descent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did the search, it's really funny because because I actually uh, came across that there are you know they do camel races. So a camel jockey is you know okay. is someone who races camels. <laughs> so. I thought that was that that that's funny that the term is, is not only a pejorative. You know, that uh Well, yeah. We we have a state um in Queensland in the north of Australia where you know they grow lots of tropical fruits and we call people from Queensland banana benders because you know they <laughs> quite literally they harvest and pull off the bananas off the trees but um it is a pejorative as well as being descriptive. <laughs> and are there people who are right. banana benders? Yeah, yeah. Any fun from Queensland, we call a banana bender. Uh, it's a pretty lame, lame joke. It's it's more affectionate than an insult, but it is also uh, a, a profession they have, of course, because <laughs> that's where the banana banana plantations are. Okay, that makes sense. I don't think anyone's been offended by being called a banana bender, but um, probably not. But I'm assuming probably. camel jockey people have been offended by by that by that comment. Um, 
And basically what, what the, the, what their term is basically saying is that, okay, they, these are, are backwards people, you know, yeah. the, you know, by calling an Arab camel jockey, you're basically saying that, you know, these are people who are still dealing with, they're still living out in the desert and, and, uh, you know, are not part of modern society type of thing. So that, that's where the pejorative comes from. And then he says, maybe it's the Hebes. Okay. I'd never heard that before. Obviously, it's it's obvious who they are, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd never heard that abbreviation before. Okay, I I have <laughs> surprisingly, <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly, yeah, okay. I I don't find it as offensive as some people might. But uh, you know, so a heb is uh, a pejorative for for someone who is Jewish. Uh, it's a shortened version of the word Hebrew. Okay, so. Hey, let's put it this way. He could have said some, He could have said a lot worse than saying the Hebes in this. Hmm. But but it, it it's befitting of him. I mean, you asked earlier, is it possible that Ellis is Jewish by the fact that he says maybe you're pissed off at the Hebes? Uh, my assumption is, is he's not. Yeah, that doesn't sound that way by uh, by the way <laughs> that, that that he says that. Fair and right. then he goes uh, Northern Ireland now. Until I watched this with subtitles, I never understood what he said. I didn't know that he was saying Northern Ireland. I always thought he said Nahala or something like that. And I was like, what is he talking about? Because he, he slurs it as he says it. Hmm. Okay. Seemed pretty clear to me. Um, well, it's clear when you're looking at it with uh, with subtitles. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we raise something? Can we raise something? Up, did you notice at approximately second 41, there's some very bad ADR? You can hear just before he says, am I right? <laughs> it's like a really echoey. It suddenly becomes like an echoey, a really echoey room when he delivers yeah. that line. Yeah. I, I know, didn't notice that, but, but I, I hear what you're saying there. I mean, I also um, love his, his hand motions as he's talking. You know, he counts off with his fingers <laughs> and he, 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 he puts his – you know, he like makes okay sound, uh, symbols with his with his hands as he's doing it. Also, <laughs> you know, things like um, that. As he's... despicable as despicable as he is, I I delight in watching him. Like he's just so so good. Yes, for sure, <laughs> for sure. There's no no yeah. question about that. This, you know, this this movie would not be the same without without uh, Ellis. There's no question about that. Yeah. So Northern Ireland. What do you, what do you know about Northern Ireland? I know that it is uh, part of the United Kingdom, not Great Britain. It has – this was in 1988, so it was a full 10 years or so before the Good Friday appeals where it's sort of some of the terrorist activity was put under wraps that we still enjoy to today. But it was still quite a tense time with the IRA in the Northern Ireland. Tell me more. I don't know, quite know what it was like. Do you know when, do you know when uh, Ireland was partitioned? 1927 or something? Very close to 1920. Ah, damn. Yeah. In, 19, yeah. in 1920, they decided that in 1921, they're going to partition Ireland uh, between Northern and Southern Ireland, basically. So you have the six northeastern counties um, of, of Ireland that are mostly populated by, um, by unionists who were people who mm -hmm. wanted to remain in the United Kingdom. Right, many of them were Protestant descendants of uh, colonists from Great Britain, but the majority of Southern Ireland 
which in 1922 became the Irish Free State. Um, the they were Irish nationalists and Catholics who wanted a uh, an independent Ireland. Hmm. And even now, a hundred years later, okay, the the people from Northern Ireland see themselves as British, and everyone in the southern part of of Ireland think of themselves as being Irish. Even though most mm. people still refer to themselves, um, uh, there, sorry, there's a large minority of people that that refer to themselves as Ulsters, which is the yeah, they love the, the term for Northern they love Ireland. The orange. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm, we're not going to get too much into it, but there's there was a lot of violence, you know, be, be from the 1920s onward, uh, where uh, hundreds of people were killed. And there were a lot of refugees and, you know, there's a lot of infighting between the two sides as to whether they, they should remain part of England or whether they should uh, be given themselves, they should be given their own independence. And as you mentioned in 1998, which is, as you mentioned, 10 years later, after this, this movie takes place, they had the Good Friday Agreement, which uh, dealt with uh, disarmament and uh, the attempt for, for normalization on security security issues but uh there there are still problems there there's still sporadic violence and things like that it hasn't uh completely stopped okay i think so, the big problem at the moment is after brexit that it's reignited these problems because they may have to have a customs border on you know the border of the republic of ireland and, and northern ireland right that, that's something they could have done without so it's reignited a lot of this tension about okay that makes sense it's future yeah it makes sense that they uh, misstepped there, I guess you can say. <laughs> yeah, I don't like to say too much about this because um, you should have Niall on Niall McGowan on the uh, on the program. <laughs> I don't <laughs> feel very murky wading into these waters. Yeah. Well, when if Niall is listening, he can feel free to, uh, to 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 send us his opinion on it. Also, we'd love love to hear <laughs> someone's opinion that actually knows what they're talking about. Not not like yeah, the two but of Alice doesn't give a crap. Uh, yeah. Alice doesn't care anyway. No. no. Ellis doesn't care about anything. Ellis, Ellis cares about Ellis. Amen. You know that he's, he doesn't care about anyone else. And and as a side point, if he's able to help everyone else around him, so you know he would get uh, extra points for it. You know that's his extra credit. His credit. He's trying to help himself. And if by helping himself he helps all the other hostages, great. You know maybe he'll get a medal. But that's it. <laughs> And to help himself to a seat, doesn't he? Correct. Just walking in, yep. no care, doesn't even look behind him at Fritz or whatever. Right, he's, not at yeah, all. Once he's, yeah. Right. And then he, he ends this first part of his conversation by saying, I figure you're here to negotiate. And then we get his second, am I right? Am I right? And Ugh. then we get uh, Hans's response, you're amazing. You figured this all out already. And do, do you think Hans knows that he's high? maybe maybe my question is more does Alice doesn't doesn't he catch on that Gruber's being sarcastic no not at all he just doesn't give a shit he just doesn't care it emboldens I don't think I don't think he cares at all because I think because again he's high that's first of all and second of all he's looking at this and saying you know I'm here to help you know he's not thinking about the, the the repercussions yeah just the acknowledge just the expression that uh uh, Ellen Rickman gives him though, like 
genius. You figured this out all yourself. Right. I don't know. It's hard not to take. I don't know. Even if I, I've never done cocaine, so I don't know mm, what false no, uh, sense sense. <laughs> no. I've, I've told my story huge, in the past. Just the one time of... I got drunk, and I do recall from that uh, incident, you know, that that you do think that what you're doing is rational. So I would assume mm-hmm. that that someone who is high on cocaine is there. You know, that idea is 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 compounded even even more, maybe even tenfold, if not a hundredfold. <laughs> so who knows? I could, so anyone out there who I, who's I familiar with it, feel free to uh, let us know either anonymously or or not. You know, if but don't send us anything in the mail. No, no, not in the mail. Email, email, email. I don't have a peel box for people to send me stuff. <laughs> good. And and then our good friend Ellis continues with, with his conversation and he goes, hey, business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. Now, first of all, I, I love this analogy. It's it's great. Yeah, it, great. It, you know, it, and and in some ways it's right. You know, um, <laughs> because in Last Crusade, in Last Crusade, memory goes the pen is mightier than the sword. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. You know who he really reminds me of? Oh, sorry, you know who he really reminds me of his delivery. Hey, business is business. What's the difference? It just reminds me of Macaulay Culkin when he goes, "Lady, I'm a ten year old boy. Would I be alone at home? I don't think so." It's sort of that same mock bravado. I like, that's what. I thought of you always seem that, to, that to bring bring our conversations back to home alone. You did that in Plain Shane and Home yes. also. <laughs> it's the most perfect movie ever made, apart from Dirty Harry, but anyway. So you should be doing that oh one as a movies by minute. Uh, it's already been done, hasn't it? Has it? I don't I don't remember. There 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 are so many hey, sorry to interrupt. I don't remember. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. <laughs> why interrupt her? Why uh, why do you feel you're interrupted? I don't know. I feel like I've had cocaine or something, and I haven't. I feel like Alice just butting in. Ah, is that what it is? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that that's fair. That's fair. Now, at this point, Ellis changes the conversation and starts talking about a a real real like real life kind of business tactic negotiation and stuff like that. Because what he says here is, is, what's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're here in a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail. Now, I never thought about the fact uh, – sorry, and then he continues and says, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Do you know that all three of these terms are are business terms, hostile takeover, green mail, yes. and poison pill? Yes, only because well, many years ago, a decade ago, when I did my law degree, we had to do a corporations law module. And so I remember each of those terms – and plus, I've seen enough '80s movies like Big Business and um, um, Secret of My Success. Right, I was going to mention I, Secret I, of My Success for the hostile takeover, but yeah. I, I'd never heard the term green mail or poison pill before in this con- in this context. I, I always just assumed poison yeah. pill is a you know he's just using that as a phrase of you know uh, that you know that not necessarily that it is something that that. Uh, denotes some sort of business uh, thing. So, what 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 is a hostile takeover? Do you know? Well, generally, someone buys a lot of stock, 
or threatens to buy it or give the impression to buy it so they're going to take it over. So the existing the existing majority shareholder who has control of the company, they think they have to buy shares quickly to maintain their dominance, the majority, basically, is or is that the green mail? Threatening to buy stock or looking like you're buying stock, and so no, that's that's a green mail label. Current... Okay, nice. All right. Right. So a hostile takeover is, just, is, just... is also known as a corporate raid. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it allows a bidder to take over a target company whose management is unwilling to agree to a merger or a takeover. And what they do is is they they find a way to approach the shareholders directly. Instead of mm-hmm. trying to get approval from the the officers or directors of the company, and the reason that it's yes. it's hostile is because the the target company's uh, board can try to reject the offer, but once they have uh, more control of the 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 stock, they have um, uh, they have the ability to to make changes. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's there's a number of different ways that, that you can do this. I'm not going to go into all of them because I can't say that I 100% understood them. I'm not really a a management expert <laughs> or a business management <laughs> expert. There are ways of of there there are defense tactics against it. Um, there's something within the Clayton Act which you can try to seek an injunction, which can can try and stop it and yeah. stuff like that. I think some jurisdictions would have um, percentage percentages beyond which you can't buy in one sort of transaction right. or in a period. Yeah. Right. And a poison pill is someone who just – Well, wait. We didn't get there yet. We'll go one at a time. Sell. Okay. We'll go one at a time. So first yeah, of all, no with worries. the hostile takeover, <laughs> how many hostile takeovers do you think have been recorded um, in the business world as of 2018? In the business world in the U.S.? Or the whole world? Or? Um, I, I, I don't know. That's a very good question. I'd say, I'd say multiple hundreds. Okay, so according to and Wikipedia, if it's, if it's... there are there have been 1,788 hostile takeovers that have had a total value of $28.86 billion wow. that, have, uh, that have occurred. Okay, mm. so green mail is what uh, the second term it's mm-hmm. the action of purchasing enough shares in a firm to challenge a firm's leadership with the threat of a hostile takeover to force the target company to buy the purchase shares back at a premium in order to prevent the potential takeover so the idea is is that ah. that you say okay i'm going to be buying all these uh, uh all, all of these stocks and if you don't want me to take over you have to buy them back but you have to pay me you have to buy them from me at a lower price right I didn't think that component was necessary. It just meant you're going to be forced to buy them from whatever source you can at a, at a higher price. Right now, but yeah, well, it's well. it's apparently a combination of the of the terms blackmail and greenback, right? And again, it's connected to corporate rating and mm-hmm. hostile takeovers and stuff like that. So, it, and it's it's somewhat a ran- you're basically paying a ransom here in order to that's right to make sure that that doesn't uh, that doesn't happen. I mean, I found a whole bunch of different examples of greenmail. That that go back, you know, through through the eighties and stuff like that. We're not we're not going to get into them because it's a, a little too complex for for what, what we're trying to do here. But if anyone has seen the movie Wall Street, um, <laughs> one of the things that they they do here is green mailing. Okay, the the character played 
the character of, of Sir Larry Wildman, played by Terrence Stamp, uh, refers to Gordon Gecko, played by Michael uh, uh, Michael Douglas, as a two-bit pirate and a greenmailer, <laughs> because that's the type of things that he would uh, that he would do. And then we get to our third business term, a poison pill. So you were starting to say before that you, you know, you know what a poison pill is. Um, your explanation of green mail preceding a hostile taker means I'm not quite sure I know anymore. But is it just someone refusing, refusing to sell? It's a defensive tactic used by a corporate a corporation's board of directors to stop a takeover. Right. Okay. And that's McLean, is it? Yes. Uh, yeah. That's right. Because they basically can have either an option or a warrant. Attached to uh, attached to existing shares, and and this this can can uh, it basically it was it was invented in 1982 by uh, mm-hmm. the the lawyer uh, Martin Lipton, who was part of the uh, Wachtel Lipton Rosen and Katz firm, because they they saw that there were a lot of uh, hustle takeovers being being done. And they became popular in order to try and stop it. It's because it's, it's a poison pill that is physically carried by various spies throughout history. You know the the idea that 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 uh, you know that you know what spies would take in order to not have to be interrogated by the enemy. So the the idea is, is that if you use this, it it might not be to to your best interest, but it's still better than. Uh, letting your company being taken over via green mail. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. So they, they they claim that that for every company that had a poison pill, which successfully resisted a hostile takeover, there were more than 20 companies that accepted the takeover offers, which means that the poison pills were effective if you wanted to use them. But most people uh in the end chose not to use them hmm. and during during uh the coronavirus pandemic there was a resurgence of the popularity of poison pills in 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 the world because uh, stock prices began to plummet due to the pandemic and you know the companies turned to their shareholders rights plans to defend against opportunistic takeover offers and in March of 2020, there were actually 10 U.S. companies that adopted new poison pills, uh, which set a, a new record. Hmm. If you want to talk about recent history, everything that happened with Elon Musk trying to take over Twitter, okay, that was stopped by the idea of a poison pill. Because they, the, the Twitter's board of directors unanimously enacted a shareholder rights plan, which uh, <laughs> was able to, 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 to hold it off. Wow. Yep. Thanks for making that topical and bringing it to something. Well, it's not me that made it topical. Yeah. It's uh, Elon, Elon Musk and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and our good friends at Twitter that, that, that made that topical. <laughs> not me. I can't, I can't take Twitter credit for that. Twitter has too many. <laughs> Can you imagine Elon Musk saying, Twitter has too many gatekeepers. Am I right? <laughs> I can't do his accent. Sorry. Yeah. And then he goes again, am I right? This is the third one. Am I right? And he goes, Hans, Booby, I'm your white knight. So what? do you know what Booby is? 
I'm just going to use my schoolboy German. Is it like um, brother or something or baby? Bubchen? Bubchen? No, 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 no. Uh, it's it's another Yiddish word. Though? It's a Yiddish word for grandma. Oh, okay. Ah, all right. I was on, sort of on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, grandmother. <laughs> it's a grandmother. Now I had a bubby. That was the idea. You know, it's bubby, bubby. It's pronounced different ways, but it's the same thing. Sometimes it's bubula. It bubula is like my. Bubula. You know, you would say, uh, you know, my love, but it's it's more of a a grandparent saying that to a grandchild type of thing. Oh. Why is he throwing around all these Yiddish words? Are that were they cool in the eighties on the West Coast or I, I have a feeling that, that the writers just wanted to be topical here. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> no, but also it sounds funny that because also by him using this term by saying Hans Booby, he's he's you know he's 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 putting himself above Hans here. Right. You know, again, he's showing how full of himself he is with the way that he is saying this. And then he calls himself his his white knight. So what what do you know about the uh the term white knight? Nothing other than it's, you know, I'm your savior. I'm coming in on a maybe the white refers to the steed, the horse, you know, and the I'm your savior coming on a horse to save you. I don't know, white savior, white man comp, savior complex? I don't know. Tell me, tell me more. Okay, so a white knight is a mythological figure and literary stock character that are per- portrayed alongside a black knight. They are diametric opposites. Usually the white knight uh, represents a heroic warrior uh, fighting against evil with the role in medieval literature being uh, represented by a knight errant type of thing. <laughs> Holy Grail. More or less. Monty Python. Yes. <laughs> nice. Right. And sometimes you'd have white horse and black horse. Um, the, the white color, you know, symbolizes uh, innocence, illumination, open heartedness, and uh, gladness and things like that. But there, there's, there's a business term that's known as a white knight. And that's what he's referring to here. Which, again, oh, I never knew me. this before I, I started looking into it. So the term white knight is a modern day parlance to mean any kind of savior, although it is specifically used in a business context to describe a person or corporation that saves another company from a hostile takeover and acquires its assets. The white Uh knight is also used as derogatory slang offered by men's rights activists to refer to men who are trying to curry the favor of women by protecting them alongside other similar terms such as a simp or whipped. The usage of the term implies that men, when doing nice things for women, are motivated only by sexual desires, which basically what he's saying here is is his motivations as a white knight are not as pure as one would think. You know, he's he's saying to to Hans, I'm your white knight, but, you know, my motivation is, is not to help you, it's to help me. Do you think the screenwriters were aware of that um, that connotation I, of white knight? Both I, I, in the business, yeah. Which one? The connotation that is related to the business world, or the connotation of yeah of of uh, the men's rights activists? <laughs> I think more more just that it's a loaded term for him saying, "I have ulterior motives for helping you." Yeah, 
I, I have a feeling that yeah. that um, that they did because if you look at it from if if you're looking at the fact that they're using all these business terms, so the white knight is mm -hmm. also a business term. Yeah. So and using them correctly you, as well. You would, yeah. I would lump them all together yeah. there. You know, Bubby is not, but all the rest of the terms that we're dealing with here, hostile takeover, <laughs> green mail, poison pill, and white knight are all business terms. And that is the type of things that our good friend Ellis would use because he is, uh, you know, bare bones and all. He, he's a businessman. That's what he's there for. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they, they have an idea. Did you say he uh, Bubby means grandmother? Yes. Not grandfather. Grandmother. Grandmother. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, you thought I said grandfather? No, I just thought um, Alice is really nagging him, really giving him a bit of shit. Yes. You know? Grandmother, not even grandfather. Yeah. No, but 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 a Bubby is is something that that's you know that that that's warm and accepting and things like that. It's not. You know, it's it's no, if you would if you would call him a grandfather, you know, it would be a little harsher to to use that type of terminology. Oh, okay, I was just talking at the times, you know, calling someone a woman in a way. I know it's nineteen eighty eight, right? Nineteen forty. Correct. But no, yeah, but think about it. Think about it from your own perspective. <laughs> someone would refer to, say that you're like your grandmother or you're like your grandfather. You know, there are very different connotations of that, and you know the. If someone would say that you're like your grandmother, they're saying it's more warm and fuzzy. You know, I mean, your grandfather is not. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, good point. I suppose if you're driving slowly or something. Yeah. Right. Come on, grandma. Exactly. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair right. enough. And at this point, once again, we'll, we'll go back to the to Hans's response where, where he just like looks back and forth and says, wait a second, I, I missed something here. Now, I... I <laughs> I wonder if Hans gets all of the business terminology that, that, that he's using here. Because in the middle of this conversation, yeah. Hans and Carl both make eye, eye contact with one another. And it, it seems as if they're both looking at each other like, where is this going? You know, what is this guy trying to tell us? Now, maybe they're thrown by Bubby. <laughs> <laughs> um, that could be. Yeah. That definitely could be. And oh my god, I just noticed he hits, he hits um Carl, like you know punches him in the in the the shoulder lightheartedly. Yes, yeah? that's that's right at the end. He comes oh. over and and you know like yeah. uh, like fist bumps him on the side of his shoulder. <sighs> a lot of gumption. That's 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 a here yeah, a lot of gumption to do yes. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean again, everything that he's doing here shows that he has a lot of gumption. I mean, again, the the fact that that you know Hans then says to him, "I I must have missed sixty minutes." What are you saying? And at this point, that's when 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 he you know takes his fist and and bumps uh, Carl's shoulder, and he goes, "The guy upstairs is <laughs> up, huh?" And as he's saying this, he like <laughs> he makes himself at home. He's sitting down. He starts sitting down in the in the in in the chair. You know, he wasn't invited to yeah. sit in the chair. He's like, okay, I'm I'm ready to go in the chair. What's the henchman's name? Is it Fritz? Who's the guy? Which with one? The AK forty. The guy standing in the back. Fritz. Um, the Fabio, the Fabio yes. guy. Yeah, Fritz. Yeah, and they're all just looking at each other, throwing all three of the bad guys, throwing each other furtive looks. I guess they're saying, you know, should we listen to what he has to say, or should we just 
kill him. <laughs> yeah, maybe they. I think you're right. I think they. I think they are a bit perplexed with these business terms and everything. Yeah. Whether he can actually help them. Yeah. Right. Who knows? And again, maybe I've seen this movie so many maybe times, and this right. is the first time that I've actually thought about the fact that he's talking about business terms. I thought he was just talking in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the way he enters the room, like, if this movie was made today, Fritz would, like, with short temper, you know, nudge him with the AK-47, like, get in the room. No, but, but he, he's voluntarily, voluntarily coming here. This isn't something that he, you know, it's not as if Fritz is dragging him in and saying, okay, the boss wants to see you. That is true. But also, if someone comes up to you and, like, looks like they're going to help you, you'd be, like, suspicious or abrupt with them. I mean, I wonder how much of the story he's told Fritz anything. Has he just said, I need to speak to to your boss because I've got something important to tell him. Do you reckon that's all he's told yeah. Fritz? Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't think he said, yeah. uh, uh, I need to talk to your boss because I have a great idea. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right, yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, sit back down on the rock. Mm. You know, I, I don't think so. All right. <laughs> so do you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get to uh, the script? No, not really. No. Oh, apart from the obvious. Now that we have you in a public forum, Rob, have you ever been part of a hostile takeover? No. And would you tell me if you have no. been? No. <laughs> no. Have you? <laughs> never. Well, you learned about no, never it. Been you you studied it in, in, uh, to be a lawyer. So, you know, you, you might have had to do – didn't retain You might have had to do scenarios yeah. and stuff like that. It's a good thing I never did. I just practiced, you know, conveyancing and property law because um, I was just schooled by you on these definitions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't give accreditation. Sorry, <laughs> you can't get you can't get course credit from uh, from from my podcast. I'm sorry. Maybe you can validate my parking or something. Anyway, we'll talk about yeah, that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll try. We'll try. We'll see. We'll see how many how long you're here for. <laughs> the first three hours are free. How's that? <laughs> nice. Tell us about the script. Tell us. About okay, the script. so the, the, I mean, this this minute is dialogue heavy, as as we all know. So there's there's a, a, f- a few minor discrepancies in the way that the conversation goes along. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to mention a few few changes here. So in the script, he doesn't use the word schmuck. He calls him a thug. He says, it's obviously, you're not some dumb thug up here to snatch a few purses. And then in the script itself, it says, Carl looks at Ellis and then at Hans as if to say, let me plug this asshole right now. But Hans is either amused, curious, or or bored enough to shake his head and turns back to Ellis. So I love that description because, you know, Alan Rickman gets that perfectly. Well, he's definitely not amused, is he? He's somewhat amused. Very internal. He, I, think he's, Do you think? I think he's somewhat amused to hear what El, what, what Ellis is trying – you know, what, what Ellis's idea is. Yeah. Amused in the sense of curious, though, more than – um, I think no amused hilarity. in the sense I mean, that, yeah. that more than curious, but amused that this guy actually has the goal to to come in here. Let let <laughs> let's let's give him give him the you know let let's give him the stage and hear what he has to say. Yeah. <laughs> do you like the change of schmuck instead of thug? Uh, I, do. I don't think I it makes a difference either way. Better. I I actually you know what okay, I think Ellis. I think schmuck works better for Ellis because a thug you would think that he's referring to someone who's being more brutal. A yeah. schmuck just means an idiot. Yeah, that's right. An idiot, yeah. 
or someone on out of the head. Yeah. Right. Out of, in, in, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Then after Hans uh, says to him, you're very perceptive. So it says Ellis flattered says, I read the papers. I watch 60 minutes. So they, you know, <laughs> no, you don't. they mentioned the, the newspaper there, but <laughs> you know, they took that out. And instead of saying, I couldn't care less about your politics. It says, I don't care about your politics, which it's, it's pretty much the same thing, but I, I think, I think by saying I don't care is a harsher uh, thing as opposed to say I couldn't care less. I agree. Yeah, I think you're right. And instead of saying it's none of my business, he says that's none of my business. Again, they're they're minor things, and he doesn't have the IE is not in here. It says they're happening. They want something. There's no IE. They're happening. And and I wonder if that's an ad lib from Hart Buffner or not. Ah, yeah, happening. It's such like a cheesy '60s sort of word. You you don't think that would still be around in the '80s? Yeah, true. Like you're a fab, anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, every Monday we have a segment called Die Hard on a Monday, where my guests will give their top five Die Hard doppelganger films. So what have you got for us, John? All right, we'll start from the bottom, yeah? Number five, I have Cliffhanger, or as I call it, Die Hard on a Carabiner. You a fan of that movie? Yes, very much. I love that that movie. (laughs) Uh, Number four is Die Hard on a Rock. I think you can guess that movie. Um, Could it be (laughs) The Rock? (laughs) The Rock, 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 Rock. You got it. Um, Third would be Die Hard on a Plane, which is... Snakes on a Plane, Snakes on a Plane. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Snakes on a Plane. (laughs) Um, Number two and one hard. Wait, that was your your first one? No, Die Hard 2 was Die Hard on a Plane. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) okay. The sequel. Boom, boom, tish. Uh, Number two, have you ever seen Black Sunday? Yes. With Bruce Dern? Yeah, great movie. Um, Die Hard on a Blimp, I call that one. Okay. And number one is Broken Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, great movie. Die, I love die Hard on like a Stealth Bomber. <laughs> well, I, I thought more appropriately we call it Die Hard on Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Ooh, that's great. Because every one of them is featured, I think, yeah. Definitely a train, definitely a plane, and the car. Yeah, I really like Broken Arrow. I don't know if it's, I don't know how it stacks up these days, but uh, um, yeah. so those are my top. Uh, well, let's put it this way: uh, John Travolta is always a fun villain, but mm. you know, John Travolta versus Christian Slater, or vice versa. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Not really sure. Anyway, yeah, those are my thoughts. All right, great. Those are great, great choices. Thank you very much for that. Um, so do you want to tell people uh, where they can find uh, JBAM? Please find me my podcast, Dirty Harry Minute. Just go to dirtyharryminute.com. And um, we finished the movie some time ago, but we periodically add uh, new episodes. And we're going to do one shortly on the Dirty Harry Bollywood remake, Kun Kun. So look forward to that in the next few months. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. Sounds like fun. And while you're doing that, you can rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. 
Finding me is very simple. All you do is a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, or you can go directly to my website and find me there, which is MovieRobMinute.com. So, until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay! Yippee-ki-yay! Yippee.